Thank you, Barry. Thank you, praise team. Uh, good morning, College Hills. We are really glad that you are here with us, and especially if you are our guest, know that you are our honored guest. We are really glad that you are here, and I want to let you know about something that, that Kevin does on a regular basis with individuals who are interested in our congregation. It's a, a program that he calls Next Steps. It's a couple of meetings with him where you get to know a little bit about our church and if this is the kind of community of faith that you want to be a part of. As John alluded to in his prayer just a bit earlier, we are created for community, and we're trying to be a community where people can get engaged and connect with one another uh, and with God. And so if this might be a place of interest to you, you can see me uh, or one of our shepherds or Kevin once he's back in town, and we will get you paired up with him, and he'd be happy to meet with you uh, a little bit. Uh, one quick other announcement. Uh, in just a few weeks, we're going to be having our VBS. Uh, this VBS is an annual summer event that we do, and we're really excited about another summer and the team that is leading with Miss Hope to create this great experience for our kids. Uh, and part of creating that great experience is having great volunteers. And several of you have signed up and been willing to help and are willing to help, whether that's a donation or you grabbed a fish off of the wall in the back of the foyer. Uh, some of you have signed up to be here to help, but we still need volunteers. And so there's a couple ways that you can volunteer and come and serve for those few days. If you can't be here every day, that's okay. You can come and serve some of those days. One, you can see me or Hope or one of the ministers or shepherds, and they'll be happy to, to get information from you. The other thing you can do is, uh, in your bulletin today, there's a little QR code on the front, which is simply a way for you to pull out your phone, put on the camera, put it right on that QR code, and it'll take you uh, to a link where you can sign up with Miss Hope. If that sounds too complicated for you, you can just see uh, one of the ministers or the elders, but we would love to have many more volunteers, and so if you can be present any or all of those days, we would uh, love to have as much help as we can. Uh, we are currently journeying through a series that Kevin has called Life-Changing Conversations with Jesus. Uh, and what we're doing in this series is we're looking at different moments in the ministry of Jesus, different conversations that he has to hopefully teach us maybe some principles or some pathways that we can follow in order for us uh, to be people who faithfully embody our lives and conversations with others that reflect that of Jesus. Uh, and today we're going to be looking at a passage in Luke 19, uh, verses 1 through 10, a familiar story, I'm sure, uh, but I want us to hear these words from Luke and then pray and then jump into our lesson for this morning. This is Luke 19, 1 through 10. He, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He is gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for another week, another day of life. 
you bless us in so many ways. And so help us to be more attentive and mindful of those blessings. Help us to increase our posture of gratitude for all of the ways you're good to us. God, help us to have eyes and ears to see how you are at work in the world. And I pray this morning that you would give me the gift of preaching and teaching, that, that I could speak words that would help us to see how we can partner with you and what you're already up to. God, I pray that you would bless these words and may they speak a truth of who you are and who we're called to be. And we pray that you would continue to transform us by the power of your spirit more into the image of your son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And when the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down from there, for I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. I know some of you wanted to scream out those last couple of lines. My daughter Everly was very upset that she couldn't be here this morning because she really wanted to sing this song with Daddy. And I was trying to explain to her, sweetheart, I'm not going to actually sing the song, but, but we sang the song a little bit at home and we will later. It's a song that we have sung a lot. It's a, a song that I'm sure you're familiar with. And as I was thinking about how to start this lesson, I thought the best way to start it would be with the lyrics of this catchy song because I was imagining me listening to a sermon on Zacchaeus and I knew that my mind would begin to wander to these lyrics inevitably. So I thought, let's just start there. Let's get it out of our system. Let's remind ourselves of these lyrics because I could feel like some of us would probably uh, drift off into thinking about them. And part of the reason we drift off in thinking about this song is because this teaches us and reminds us of the power of songs, that songs have this way of shaping our imaginations, um, our imaginations about life, our imaginations about faith, um, our imaginations about biblical stories. It's because of songs that, that we imagine what it might look like for a wise man to build his house on the rock and a foolish man's house to go splat. It's because of songs that, that we are reminded that what God offers to us uh, is not just deep, but it's also wide. Uh, songs teach us that the devil frequents Georgia with a fiddle to play with a band of demons. That was just to see if some of you were paying attention. That was about 50-50 right there. But, but the point is nevertheless the same, that songs are powerful. They shape our imaginations. They shape how we think about stories. They shape how we think about the stories of the Bible, and specifically, Luke 19 is one of those stories that songs shape. This song shapes how we hear and how we remember Jesus' interaction with Zacchaeus. And in some ways, the way that this song shapes our imagination and what it helps us to remember, it's helpful. It points us in, in a good direction. One way that it points us in a good direction is it gives us an angle of Zacchaeus, and it helps us to get a glimpse into what this episode would have been like for him. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and there's no Greek phrase for wee little man, but what Luke does record is that he was short in stature. And so we can kind of imagine this moment where there's this shorter individual who hears the commotion of the crowd coming through Jericho, 
and his curiosity is piqued, and so he runs to see what is going on, and specifically to see who is moving through this crowd, this person of Jesus. Which leads to the second thing that I think the song helpfully helps us to remember, and that is this, this, this desire of Zacchaeus to see Jesus. And we know that he has this desire to see Jesus because, as the song tells us, he climbs up a sycamore tree. And you can imagine this, this individual climbing up a tree with his neck craning out over this crowd, trying to see this man in the middle of this crowd. We can see this desire on the part of Zacchaeus. And then finally, a third way that I think the song is helpful Uh, is because it it reminds us of the response of Jesus and what Jesus does towards Zacchaeus. Jesus, in the middle of this crowd, surrounded by all these people moving through Jericho, can't help but notice, as we probably all would, someone hanging from a tree trying to see him. And we're told that Jesus looks up and tells Zacchaeus that he's going to his house today. And with these three details, this song that we all probably know and remember, help us to remember Luke 19 in some helpful ways. And yet this song also helps us to remember this story in some incomplete ways. Because this song doesn't give us all of the details of this story that we read about in Luke 19. And there's two details in particular that I think are important for us to notice that that aren't in the song, but they are in Luke. And I think it's these two details that make all the difference in what makes this a life-changing moment for everyone involved. And the first detail that I would highlight that the song doesn't is simply the reputation of Zacchaeus. That, yeah, the song teaches us that Zacchaeus was short in stature. He was a wee little man. But what the song leaves out, but what Luke, notes is that he is rich he's wealthy and he's a chief tax collector which meant that he was not a popular guy tax collectors were not popular individuals because tax collectors were in partnership with the roman government to collect taxes from the people and they had a quota that they had to turn in to the government but anything above that quota they could keep for themselves And so it should come as no surprise that these tax collectors would take what they needed to and then take a little bit more that they wanted. And as they did this with each individual, their pockets got bigger at the sake of those that they were taking money from. And so you can imagine if you were a common person walking around seeing a tax collector, when you saw them, you would not think very highly of them. People didn't think very highly of Zacchaeus. And what made Zacchaeus' reputation even worse is he wasn't just a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. So he wasn't just getting money on his own. He was getting money from the tax collectors under him. So he was significantly more wealthy. He was significantly richer than the common people of the day. And so when he walked through town, he was not well received. He was a man who would have been resented. He's a man who would have been considered shameful. People didn't like Zacchaeus because of who he was and what he did, and specifically what he did to them. The second detail that I think is really important for us to note is the response of everyone. The song doesn't say this, but Luke does let us know that all who saw it, this interaction between Jesus and Zacchaeus, began to grumble and said he has gone to be the guest of one 
who is a sinner. I think it's significant that Luke doesn't just say some people were grumbling. Luke doesn't just say a particular group of individuals was upset by this. He said all who saw it. Everyone who is watching this scene unfold is bothered. They're disturbed. They begin to murmur to themselves. This crowd of people who just minutes ago, moments ago, in the scene right before this, were outside of Jericho praising God and celebrating Jesus because he healed this blind man. Moments later, they see this interaction between Jesus and Zacchaeus, and they turn on Jesus. They turn on the one that they were praising. And the reason why that they're so upset, as their words reveal, is because Jesus is going to be the guest in the home of Zacchaeus. Are the people upset that Jesus is talking to Zacchaeus? Partly, but what they say is that they're upset because that he's going to fellowship with him. He's going into his home, this place where there would be relationship and interaction and conversation, that going into someone's home was about identifying with that person, having fellowship with those people. And I think these two details together begin to point us at what makes this story so life-changing. Because on the one hand, you have Zacchaeus, who is not a well-liked man. He does not have a good reputation. He's considered unjust. He's considered crooked. He's considered the shameful person because of what he does and kind of the status that he has and how he got to that position. And Jesus knowing this reputation, living in that time and place and culture, being fully aware of his reputation, still chooses to go and be present in his home. He still chooses to go into the space that Zacchaeus occupies on a day-to-day basis. Even though he knows that Zacchaeus is this despised and rejected kind of person, Jesus is willing to himself also become despised and rejected, to be in the same place as Zacchaeus. And to me, that is what makes this story so significant. That the life change that we see is not just because of what Jesus says, but because of where Jesus goes. It's not just about the person that he interacts with, but the place that he goes to interact with them. And I think this is a really important detail for us to see as we think about what does it mean to be people who carry out life-changing conversations. And I would say it a couple of ways. Life-changing conversations happen, not just because of what is said, but where it is said. Another way to say it, life-changing conversations happen, not just because of the people involved, but the places involved. What's really interesting about Luke 19, 1 through 10, is that it's not a very long story, and there's not a lot of conversation that's actually reported. And so you would wonder, why would a story like this be included in a series like this one? But if you do notice, everywhere there is someone speaking in the story, what I think is significant is that it's always directly connected to, or indirectly connected to, the place of Zacchaeus's home. When Jesus first speaks to Zacchaeus, what does he say? He says, come down from the tree because I'm going to your house, your home to stay. 
when the people get upset and they speak why they're upset, what do they say? All who were disturbed and they murmured to themselves, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. He's gone to be the guest in the home of Zacchaeus. When Zacchaeus reports his life change, what does he say? Part of that life change is, today I'm going to give half of my possessions away. Part of his possessions were the place where he lived and the objects and items in that place. And then finally, when Jesus announces salvation, Jesus doesn't just say it anyway, but he says, today salvation has come to this house. He uses this figurative expression to describe what is happening in the life of Zacchaeus. That Zacchaeus' life is changing. That Zacchaeus, too, is a son of Abraham. And the way that Jesus describes that is by noting this house is where salvation has come. Every time words get used, it's always about the place where Zacchaeus lives. It's about the place where Zacchaeus does life on a day-to-day basis. And Jesus says, it's that place where I'm going to stay. It's that place where I'm going to be a guest. And if you follow this theme back a few chapters before, what you'll realize is that Jesus has been teaching his disciples this principle for a while now. As you go back to Luke 9 and Luke 10, you're going to find these two commissioning stories of Jesus. In Luke 9, he's going to send out the twelve. And in Luke 10, he's going to send out the 70. And the instructions he gives to each of those groups is is different in some ways, and it's similar in some ways. And one of the ways that it's similar in Luke 9 and 10 is that he says to both of those groups, as you go out, go into homes and stay there. Remain there. It's the same exact word that Jesus uses here in Luke 19 when he says to Zacchaeus, Come down from there, for I'm going to your house to stay. Jesus is modeling something for his disciples that he had been teaching them chapters earlier. That part of what it means to be a disciple, part of what it means to be on mission with God, is to pay attention to the words you say, yes, but also to pay attention to the places that you stay. Because the places that we go can also speak profound words about what we believe, about who Jesus is and who God is calling us to be. And I think it's a detail that's worth us as disciples today lingering over. Because often in this series, and I think rightly so, we have focused on the questions that we ask, the words that we articulate, And we have focused a lot on the the actual speech that we have in having life-changing conversations. But I also think that there's a a time and a place to talk about place. I would say it this way. This story reminds us that we might not know the right words to say, or we might not think that we can do a good job of articulating our faith, but we can speak so much by where we are willing to go the spaces we are willing to enter, and the places we are willing to be present. Where we go can speak as loudly as what we say. Where we go can speak as loudly as what we say. Time and time again in the teaching and ministry of Jesus, you find him showing up at places 
that challenge the status quo, that give him some unfortunate reputations among the people, that bother the people who were watching him, even his own disciples. But time and time again, you see Jesus going to certain places. And his simple arrival there, his simple staying or remaining there, speaks loudly, louder than sometimes the very words that he says. And I think as we consider life-changing conversations and the kinds of people that we're going to be when we speak, we also need to think about where we speak, the places that we go. And as we wrap up this morning, I want to offer us one principle that I think grows out of this passage that others have pointed to before, but I think it's a really helpful principle for us to chew on as we think about how this story might shape our lives this week. And the principle is simply the principle of reverse hospitality. Now, typically, when we think of hospitality, we think of being hospitable people, right? Like welcoming people into your home, welcoming people into your apartment, welcoming people into your office, wherever you do life on a daily basis, and making it a warm place, a safe place, a, a place where they feel welcome. Uh, reverse hospitality kind of flips the script, so to speak. And it doesn't challenge us to be good hosts, but it challenges us to be good guests. Uh, to put ourselves in places where others can be good hosts to us, and by them being good hosts to us, they can receive respect. They can receive honor. And I intentionally use the word honor because of the time and place and culture in which Jesus and Zacchaeus live. It was an honor and shame culture, which meant there were some things that you could do that would garner shame in your life, and then there were some things that you could do that would give you honor. There was things that would make you a shameful person and things that would make you a more honorable person. And one of the things that you could do to receive honor in that time and place was to be a good host. That being a good host to others was a way that you would, in that culture, receive honor from that culture. And it's that very thing that we see Jesus doing with Zacchaeus. And it's why everyone is so upset that Jesus is doing what he's doing. Because Zacchaeus, this man who was cloaked in shame, that people resented, they did not like Jesus, by going to be a guest in his home, was giving him the opportunity to receive something that he did not receive, and that is honor from the people. So of course everyone was upset. They would much rather be resentful to this guy than honor this guy for being a good host, and yet Jesus intentionally puts himself in a situation, intentionally forces himself to be a guest in the home of Zacchaeus so that Zacchaeus could receive honor from others so that Zacchaeus could receive something from others that he had never received before. And so, of course, Zacchaeus changes his life. Of course, Zacchaeus, almost abruptly, it doesn't make sense to us that all of a sudden he decides to sell half of his possessions and give back four times the amount that he's defrauded people of. But simply by Jesus going to be a guest, he sees something in Jesus that he'd never seen before. Simply because of Jesus willing to put Zacchaeus in a place where he received honor, all of a sudden Zacchaeus got a glimpse of something 
that he had never glimpsed before or he had not glimpsed in a long time. Hospitality is always about us being good hosts. Reverse hospitality is about us being good guests. And often the reason why we don't see life-changing conversations in our life is simply because we're not going to the places where people actually do life on a daily basis. One of the most powerful testimonies of, of this principle that grows out of this story in Luke 19 was embodied by a friend of mine who many years ago was a minister in another state. He, he was a minister at a small church in this small community, and directly across the street from his church was this community center for the town there. And so every day, he would sit at his desk, and it looked right out across the street to this community center. And so every day, my friend would sit there, and he would be doing his work, but he would glance out the windows, and at that community center, there would, there would be different groups that would come in different kinds of people that would come and host events there, all different kinds of groups and people and organizations. And at first, my friend was a little frustrated and a little bothered, and he began to wonder, well, how, can't we get, how can we get all those people to come over here? And he began to think about that for a while, and then he began to think, well, maybe that's not the way that Jesus would do it. And so what he decided to do one day is to get up from his desk and simply walk across the street to this community center who at the time had just started a community garden and so he decided to start working on the garden with all of these different individuals who were coming in day after day week after week and each day he would go into the office he would make it a point to go over to this community center right across the street and spend time with whoever might have been there on that given day he would spend a little bit time there he he got to know the director he got to know the people that frequented there on a regular basis and he would interact with a lot of different types of people, so much so that some of the people at his congregation didn't love the fact that he was spending time at this community center because of some of the people that he was spending time with. My friend, who's quite stubborn, but also deeply committed to the way of Jesus, kept going and kept going and kept spending time in the presence and this place where these people were. And over time he began to notice some changes. Over time, he, he began to notice life change happening, not just in their life, but more so in his life. Because all of a sudden, all of the labels and titles that he had given these people as he had watched them go in and out of this community center months ago, all of a sudden, those, those labels and those titles and those categories just didn't work anymore. Because he didn't know them as, as categories and titles, but now he began to know them as people, and he noticed his own posture began to change towards them, and their posture began to change towards him. And over the next weeks and months, he found himself having conversations with these people that he never would have had unless he would have been willing to go over across the street to just be in the same place as them. And so as we go out this week, I want us to think about what we say, but I also want us to think about where we go. Where are the places that we're going? Where are the spaces that we're inhabiting and dwelling? Where are those pockets and those places and spaces where we can just be present, knowing that we might interact with some people who are different 
than us. And yet, because of our commitment to Jesus, we keep going to those places. We keep showing up with eyes wide open, wondering how God might bring about life change. Life change not in just their life, but life change in our life. Because that's the thing we can't forget about this series, that that when we talk about life-changing conversations, we're, we're not just trying to be attuned to what God is up to in others' lives, but we're also trying to be attuned to what God might be up in our life. And so this week, let's go. Let's be present. Let's think about places and spaces, and as we go, let's commit together to be a faithful presence wherever we find ourselves this week. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the witness of Jesus, the witness of the early church, who would go to places and spaces and regions that many had written off, and yet we see these faithful communities continuing to go. I'm grateful for the ways this church goes out and serves. I'm grateful for so many different people here who go on mission in this county, and who go on mission around the world. I know that in just a few weeks, our our students will be doing just that, and so I ask your blessing on them as they go, that you would keep their eyes open. And for those of us who, who will be around town, who will be in this county, also help us to keep our eyes open to where you're moving and you're working. Help us to be courageous and faithful to go wherever you may call us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have any response to the invitation this morning, you can come forward and we can receive that response. We'll also have shepherding couples in the back. Whatever your need is this morning, you can do that now while we stand and sing.